ain't ever gonna stop listening to me on Belly Podcast. Here we go. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Neat on Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, host John, and Brandon. And boys, today we will recap UFC 297, where we get a little and new times two, baby. We'll discuss what went right for Drikas Duplacy and what went wrong in the women's bantamweight title fight. <laughs> Can you say everything? And as always, per usual, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more. But first, boys. How are we doing? Episode 167 of the Neon Belly Podcast, or as some people are very, very fittingly calling it, the number of years since Queen Victoria declared Ottawa the capital of Canada episode. Ottawa stand up. Of the Neon Belly Podcast, you know, 297, Toronto, mm-hmm. Canada. I mean, how fitting. Somebody told me that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's neither here nor there, as always. Right. We're just glad you're listening in. How are we doing, boys? Doing well. Doing mm-hmm. well. Not not liking the cold. Cold's back. Thought my door was going to fall off when I opened it this morning um, to get on the way here. But other than that, we're good. And a long night last night. Mm-hmm. We were up to what? two? When did they get over? Two? Two? Three? Yeah. Two. Ugh, man, it was rough. Yeah. Yeah, that was a rough two. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we had a rough two, I guess. Yeah. So it, it's not surprising that it comes uh, this early into the year. But. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely a really rough two there. Yeah, but outside of that, man, just um, excited to get back into big pay-per-views and ready to see where we could keep going from here. Yeah. How would you rank the pay-per-view scale of 0 to 10? Ooh, solid 6. 6? Yeah. Mm. There were some good finishes early. There was, you know, some good back and forth. Hey, guys, forth. can we not talk about the pod, the thing? I'm, I know I know you're trying to fill space here, but let's not talk about the pay-per-view that we're about to spin. We're not getting in details. 45 minutes talking about. What do you do? For, here, let's talk about this. Yeah, last last episode, Nate yelled at me for what specifically? Do you remember? Ooh, I do not remember exactly. Looking at my phone. Oh. So I was What's, pulling up oh, because no, what we're going to yeah. get to is yeah. we have a new <laughs> five-star review. Yeah, um, we did so get called I had out. To, yeah, we did get called out. Forgot to do that. So um, I wanted to make sure that I had that up. I wrote it in my notes, but did not have it pulled up. Uh, so I did that. You guys, terrible at filling time. That was like, <laughs> I almost feel like starting the episode I mean, over. we could have just been quiet and you would have <laughs> been like, guys, say was, something. I feel like we can't win. That was mm-hmm. just terrible. I mean, dude, just you've lived seven days since we've done this last, and you can't find anything else to talk about other than, what would you rate the pay-per-view last night? Like that's so a lot of people come in here to hear about it on an MMA solid, podcast. That's yeah. out of the realm. Yeah. How, how are you, feel, you feeling about your taxes? Yeah, probably like, a let's solid. Let's dig, dig into our personal lives. Oh, probably a six and a half. Are you done looking at your phone? Maybe one more fight better. Dude, Brandon, don't even start with me. <laughs> Anybody that wants to see what Brandon did last week. And here's the thing. Let me say this, John. I'm, me and John, we're going to dial in on this one. Mm. This guy said, what are you, I'm trying to keep up. I got to write stuff down. 10 minutes. Go watch our Drikas do play C. Strong Sigma. This guy looks at his phone and is clearly playing chess. Mm. 100%. Which, first off, rude. 
Like John's sitting here talking, I'm sitting here talking, and you're over here doing chess. Like complete total lack of respect for what we're doing here. I put hours into these episodes every week. How is it clear that I'm playing chess? Because it's very clear your thumb movements, what you're doing. I'm not. I wasn't born. Reflections off the glasses. So like very, Yeah. yeah, very, very rude. First off, like the amount of time and effort that goes into these episodes each and every week, and what we're saying really takes effort. And you're sitting here chessing around in the middle of us trying to do picks. Then you go to the video. No, definitely not. Definitely not during picks. The, the video the video opens up and Brandon's like this. I mean, what a what a hard intro to a video. I mean, Ugh. if I'm if I'm somebody watching that, like, boy, that's engaging material there. When I the video comes on and the guy dead center is looking down mm. at his phone for the first three minutes and only looks up to give his pick. Yeah, We're, me and John, by the way, when, you, when you're going through your pick, dialed in, yeah, engaging. Mm. As soon as we start talking, back to the phone, and which is funny for a guy. Who is so anti cell phone? Oh, everybody, get off your phones! Everybody's yeah. always looking. How much time do you spend playing chess, brother? A week on your phone? Quite a bit. On hey, my okay, phone. okay. So gotcha. you're no better. Yeah, you're no better than anybody else with your social anti social media, anti uh, digital phones, and all this other stuff. I will not apologize for utilizing my phone to get all the pics correctly. Uh, you can as you're, hey, as, you're you wanna, as you're talking through. If them. you want to take two three seconds there to uh, uh, Strickland, you name it, fine. But dude, ten minutes straight. What? Two to three seconds. Like to type all that out. I gotta uh, get. Okay, I gotta okay, get. Okay, okay, okay. If you were using your flip phone, like I would uh, give you that. Yeah. Well, but I don't know. He's probably better at T nine. You're using. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but yeah, first off, rude, absolutely. But second off, again, for a guy that's just like so anti-phone and it's like, well, you can't even sit. Me and John don't even sit here on our phones and flip through social media. Uh, mm-hmm. But you couldn't even oh. go in a 45 hour minute or hour, hour and 20 minute podcast without playing chess on your phone. I rest my case. I, I disagree. I think just because you see you think I'm playing chess, like doesn't mean a that you're not over there doing something. Else. You have a lot of screens in front of you, man. Yeah, it's hard to exactly. Say. And, Again, and back to the respect part of with, like the amount of effort and and things that go into just making this thing work. And I just keep having to add stuff because God forbid I rely on you two to do anything. Hey, that's up to you if you want to keep adding stuff. That, that's all up to you, man. Yeah, I've, I've been clear since day one. I show up to talk about the fights and give my thoughts and opinion. I'm not I'm not a tech guy. I tell you, I'm not stage trained. I don't do performances. I don't know how to do sound stuff. I don't, that's not me. I don't have social media. I'm here to talk. Well, you have chess, which is probably I a little. Do have chess. Probably a bigger problem yeah. than social media. It, does, it has messaging and chats on it, so it's kind of social media too, mm-hmm. right? And scene, and that's how you start a podcast, boys. <laughs> Welcome to the Neon Belly Podcast. Uh, we're going to get into UFC 297. We swear we talk about mixed martial arts on here. Um, we will give our rating. You know what? We're going to give our ratings at the end. You guys, you hold on to your because you're you're going to want to hear about this six and a half uh, that I'm going to give this. But before we do, as always, Brandon, rate, sub, follow. We got to keep Brandon engaged here because yeah. I don't want him to get a notification that his chess partner Aljo finally accepted. Yeah. Now let yeah. me know if Brandon's phone's not in the room right now. That is so true. It, it is happen. not. It is not in the room. Every week we want you guys to get a hold of us. Follow us on all of our social media and get engaged with us. We're on YouTube now. You can hear us argue and make fun of each other like we just <laughs> did, mostly against me, which is fair enough. Um, but yeah, we, we want to spread this. We want you guys to kind of get to know us. We want we want to become as big as we possibly can we just want to share our, our wealth our, our fun knowledge and 
just we enjoy talking about this stuff. It's something we love. You can follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, X as it's now called, uh, at Neon Belly Pod. We're on iTunes as well. You can catch us on Spotify and all those different platforms. Give us a listen. Absolutely. And as Brandon said there, give us the five-star written reviews on Apple Podcasts. And if we remember, we'll read them out. Yeah. Uh, we got one last week. May or may not have missed it, but it is from Silly Cox with the five-star review. Good name there. And Top tier. <laughs> and the review is never going to stop. Best MMA podcast sent here from the Memphis Strangler himself. Uh, nice little callback yeah. there to William Doubling Montgomery. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't never going to stop, baby. Absolutely, absolutely love it, boys. Let's get to UFC 297 from this past Saturday from Toronto, Canada. Learn how to say it. The Scotia Bank Arena. That's how you say it. Drizzy Drake was in the building, put almost a million dollars on Sean Strickland, boys. But at the end of the night... Oh! Sorry for the headphone users. (laughs) (laughs) Drikus Duplessis defeats Sean Strickland via split decision a really fun fight really close fight though Mm -hmm. has to be said um after one round i thought it was going to be a long night for drikas to play c after round one like heading into round two not looking real good for drikas you know strickland just doing picking up exactly almost where he left off in the izzy fight and kind of as he always does uh but he kept coming forward to drikas really grew into this fight as it went on and did it using that really funky timing uh, that he possesses. Really found openings to land the big shots on Strickland. Um, and he did so by coming forward, mixing up his attacks, and really creating just, again, just some funky angles, man. This mm-hmm. guy is a, an interesting puzzle on the feet there for guys to crack. Um, and I thought even though the takedowns weren't as effective as I thought they would be for Drikas in terms of keeping Strickland down, possibly submitting him, um, he did have success landing them. I mean, it gave Sean Strickland one more thing to think about, which was really mm-hmm. smart because he never gave up on him did Drikas threw one almost every round except for I think in the third uh, attempted one in almost every at least one except for in the third I think he didn't attempt one um but even though it wasn't leading to much off- offense, I think it did play into his success a bit um, because, you know, they were kind of talking about Strickland's a guy that stands so tall, right? So then Strickland was kind of having to adjust how he was kind of approaching because he didn't mm-hmm. want to get taken down. He's bringing his hands down a little bit. Um, and possibly most surprising to many people, DDP able to really lean on that cardio uh, to get him through those later rounds. And again, I thought it was a super close fight. Um, we can kind of talk about that first, I guess. Going into the fifth, I thought it was either 2-2 or 3-1 for Drikas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two judges who did score the fight for Drikas gave him rounds 2, 3, and 4. Um, and I do think if you saw this fight for Drikas um, and had him winning, that's exactly how it was done. But your guys' thoughts on the fight and the decision overall? So the the fight, like you said, it was a very close fight. I do think that what you said last week in terms of like how to beat a Philly shell, one of the ways to do that is just to be offensive and force the guy with the Philly shell to be very deep. And maybe it was a week before. But I know you. It was talk, last you, week. Okay, yeah. you talked about that. And um, I think that really rang true here. And wrestling's a form of offense, right, in mm. MMA fight. Yeah. You, you said that as well. Like, Izzy doesn't really carry that. We haven't seen Strickland have to deal with that as much. And, yeah, there wasn't a ton of offense on the ground once it was there. Like, not a lot of ground and pounder submissions. But it was enough to force Strickland out of that comfort level that he had, mm. you know, in all these previous fights. I do think something for, for me that really stood out was the 
the optics like they we heard that talked about with strickland's fight with izzy was optics optics mm. optics you know how does this look to the judges how does this look overall and i think that that's another thing that can't be ignored when it comes to the wrestling and then also to that like massive cut that came up and i want to say it was round four um or round, i think it was round four or round three when it came up round three round three and that kind of shown through the rest of the fight i think that matters because Damage was a talking point throughout the whole card, yeah. and I think that's that's an aspect of the fight as well as, as Strickland looked um, in terms of that cut, especially like he was wearing more of the damage. Whether or not he truly was, that's to be seen. Both guys, you know, wore their shots really well and were able to hit, hang in there. But I mean, it was a good fight, razor close. I wasn't mad at the DDP decision. I wouldn't have been mad at the Strickland one yeah. either. I honestly wouldn't mind it run back down and down the road, not necessarily next, but just to kind of get a little more between these two. Cause that's one of the things we said, it, there wasn't a ton really separating these guys. And I still like, I still feel like that's true. Yeah. I think that there was some, some adjustments made uh, by DDP that kind of helped him deal a little bit. And, and with Sean Strickland's, especially his jab early that was landing often busting up DDP's eye. But, um, you know, I think the cut is a big turning point too, and I think that really that, seemed to bother. Well, Sean and Sean Sean seemed to say it came from the headbutt. There was an accidental headbutt that happened, and if that's what caused the cut, which caused him to deal with having to swipe that out the eye, that's I thought they showed it on the replay. It was elbow on the break, I thought, or maybe the top cut. One of them, yeah, he, said he did was get. A head I think cut. the one, yeah, the one to the eye, um, because he was bleeding in the eye, and then it kind of started coming down the head. They showed it in the replay, and Drikas kind of came forward, and I think he kind of caught him with an elbow. But, yeah, I don't know about the one on the yeah. head. could have been a headbutt. And, you know, you, you've seen him swiping at it. Um, you could, He was not seeing the punches on that side for a little bit, and I think that's what gave – because, you know, we talk about all the time momentum is big, confidence is big, and once DDP started landing some of those, like, outside punches, he got a lot more confidence, and it seemed like Strickland had to kind of really dig deep. Um, and, and credit to him for coming back in that fifth round and really pushing it um, – because it seemed like DDP had all the momentum and that's what made it into the decision where it's super close and you don't know exactly how it's going to go. Mm. Um, I did have DDP went in by decision um, two, three, and four, but I could also very well, I mean, I even remember the second round feeling like a Sean round, but it also felt like DDP was starting to come alive a little bit yeah. toward the end. Yeah, I yeah, I, I totally agree with all that. I mean, I, I definitely don't see robbery. You know, I've seen that being floated around for Str- – I mean, obviously Strickland has his fans, and they're passionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely don't see robbery here. But, again, if they would have said Sean Strickland's name, like – I totally wouldn't have had a problem with that either mm-hmm. um, because I think if it was 2-2 going into that fifth, I feel like kind of had to get that fifth round to Strickland. You know, he seemed to be getting the better of the landing, the shots there. And, and again, like I told you guys, you know, historically in a championship fight, you really have to take it from the champion, um, which makes that a little bit hard because, you know, we'll get to what's next here in a minute. Um but I guess kind of as two guys for you guys who both picked Strickland to win this fight. I know, John, we'll get to the eight ball thing, but you you switched with Drikas on the eight ball. But did, through mm-hmm. your big breakdown, pick Strickland. Um, did anything, like, I guess kind of surprise you or impress you overly? That, you know, I know you guys kind of both mentioned, mentioned some things there. Um, or maybe something that you just maybe didn't see him being able to do or didn't think. Because I don't see that performance by Strickland and think Strickland underperformed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that was a patented Strickland performance at his best granted was close again could have went either way uh, but yeah was there just something specifically that that you just didn't expect Drikas to be able to do because because I know like I, I guess I'm this is almost more for Brandon uh, mm-hmm. because Brandon I think like two or three times you were like yeah I went back and watched this fight I feel even better about yeah. Strickland mm-hmm. I went and watched the Darren Till fight the, the, the Derek Brunson fight I feel even better about yeah. Strickland so what was it do you know like what, what what did you see I think it was I 
it wasn't an underwhelming performance by by Strickland. I, that's true. I, I think I think it was kind of two things. One was there obviously wasn't a cardio issue. At least it didn't seem that way. And two was. I just really think DDP fought a fantastic fight against Strickland. Like, I think he was able to really balance the wrestling with his strikes. Like, yeah, he got pieced up a little bit in the first round and going into the second, but you kind of have to feel the guy out, right? Yeah. And he was able to just really push that pace against Strickland, which is hard to do. Like, he kept Strickland backing up that entire time. Um, that was, I guess, a little surprising to see Strickland backing up as much as he was because that's it's usually not that case, but... Other than that, you know, nothing super crazy, but I, I mean, I eat, eat my words for sure as far as the cardio and, and, and that's concerned. Yeah, and I'm not saying that to, like, get you to eat your words or, like, suck mm-hmm, it, because, like, mm-hmm. we'll get to the co-main event. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like I was telling you guys last night, like, you ever just pick for fights and then you're just embarrassed <laughs> to have to come talk about them the next day, or is that just me? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't that. I just, like, again, like, there was really from both of you, there was a pretty strong conviction uh, that Strickland mm-hmm. was going to win, and I was just curious if there was something specific. And maybe some of that was just him coming off the performance with Izzy, right? Like, it's hard to look at that performance against arguably one of the better middleweights that we've ever seen and then think that, like, oh, he's, you know, he's going to just not have his way with DDP, who, again, mm-hmm. is a guy that's, he's he's won all of his fights, but it's not like he's gone through and just obliterated everyone he's fought. He's right. had some interesting fights. Close, so yeah. when you compare the two leading up to this, it's like, yeah, to me, it was, I'm leaning Strickland, who's a little more, I'll say structured in his approach. Um, but, but again, it's on any given night, you know, things can go differently. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for me, it was, um, almost that, and I, and it started off kind of early the first round he picked it up. But if you go back and watch the Izzy Strickland fight, Strickland was especially defensively was on 10 the whole time. His hands were constantly moving. He was constantly moving his head circling because he didn't want to be there for Izzy for any of the counter strikes or any of the big stuff he was setting up. And it felt like, and it might have also been because of that cut kind of affecting where his eyes could be or what he was doing, but he kind of, his defense kind of slowed down a little bit compared to where it was in the Izzy fight, I think. Um, And he just was on 10 every single round. And I think those middle rounds, like I said, DDP was able to get some of that momentum from him. And then by the fifth round, I mean, we seen Sean Trickland just kind of let it all go and said, you know, I'm going to try to go for go for the gold here and started letting off a lot of more punches. He wasn't really using his defense as much, just kind of trying to brawl him at the end. Um, and I think that's kind of just the difference. I think that, you know, styles make fights. And I think there's we've seen a little bit of, you know, some wrestling holes because DDP isn't necessarily, uh, you know, all state wrestler, but being able to employ some of that and then, but also just kind of using that aggressiveness, the fact that Strickland moves his head backwards um, and not necessarily always cutting left or right to get out of the way of things. He was really starting to time out some big punches in there. And I think that was the difference. Yeah. That wasn't really like, I mean, you guys kind of just reiterated what you said. I just didn't know specifically like in terms of like, cause I think honestly, he, I, I just think the difference was just the pre- You mentioned the Izzy fight there, and that was like one reason I was really heavy on Strickland or uh, Duplacy because I'm like, it's just stylistically mm-hmm. like two counter strikers trying to land. Like it's just not going to be the funnest fight, and I just knew for better or worse, Drikus was going to go put the pressure on mm-hmm. Strickland. So like you saying, like his defense, he wasn't doing it as much. Like he was. It's just Brandon, you brought up. I was kind of hoping you would get into that um, when I asked the question because I thought it was a great observation last night. Is um, Drikas throwing more than two punches was the, really the key to a mm-hmm. lot of his success. Every time he went three, four, um, every time he threw two, finished with a spinning back fist. I mean, just mixing that up, throwing in the takedowns. 
Um, I thought that's where he found success. If you go in there like Izzy and you're just trying to land one or two, like you're just, that's a tough, you're just, I don't know who can beat Strickland like that. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I just was curious, but, um, moving into like kind of what's next, I say, um, let's kind of play Dana White for a sec. Um, I think we can all agree that if Israel Adesanya calls your phone tomorrow and says, I want Drikas do play C. Um, you 100% make that fight. I think we all agree that um, Izzy's a star, plus they have some history. It'd be a big fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think if I'm Dana White in the UFC, um, I'm calling Izzy Saturday. Like, what do we have to do, kid? Like, what do we yeah. have to do to get this fight done? I mean, throw the house at Izzy right now because I think we need that fight. Um, and I will say a little sidebar for like kind of fellow fans saying UFC 300. I agree with you. I would love to see Izzy versus Drikas at UFC 300. That's a massive fight. But Drikas Duplessis fought Robert Whitaker in July of last year and took no damage in that fight, like whatsoever, and refused to fight Izzy eight weeks later in September, um, which is why Strickland got the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he needed some time. Uh, so I'm not sure, based off of how beat up he looked last night, going five rounds with Sean Strickland, uh, that he's going to want to go home and jump right back into a camp and be ready to go by April. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now that he's the champ, right? The actual champion. Like, he has a little bit of leverage. Like, that was just for a title shot. Now he's got a belt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's definitely not, doesn't have to be in any hurry here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, money talk as always so I'm not saying that it's impossible or the UFC can't kind of draw him out with a big check uh, but we already know they're going to have to pay Izzy to get back Right. Uh, so now you know will they have to pay how much are they going to have to pay Drikas to come back you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. um so, but let's assume Izzy isn't ready or maybe does call and maybe he says, I want to move up. I don't want to come back at, you know, mm-hmm. middleweight. Uh, what would be next for Drikas Duplessis? Um, I think there's a couple, two really, two main options. And that is, do you give Sean Strickland an immediate rematch? Um, or would you look at Hamzat Shimaev and say, uh, you know what, let's give him a shot. Because typically I think guys who defend don't ever successfully defend the title, you don't get immediate rematches like mm-hmm. a Sean Strickland. Uh, but that fight was so close. Um, and there's not many other people, honestly, outside of Hamzat um, who deserve a shot next. So I think you could definitely run it back with Sean Strickland uh, if, wanted, if you wanted to. But like I said, there is the freshness of Hamzat. So let's say Izzy, again, doesn't want to come back or doesn't want to fight at middleweight. Um, what would you do with Drikas next? So I'm looking at this as a as a member of the UFC. I'm not looking at this as a fan, right? Yeah. And what I would say is between the two, Hamzat and Strickland, Hamzat is way less consistent than Strickland. Like he's had weight issues. He's got health issues. He's kind of all over the place. And if I'm looking at a guy who's, who's going to give me a level of consistency if he has the title and just kind of going forward, to me that's – that's Strickland. Like I, I hear what you're saying about guys not getting immediate rematches, and I'm, I'm I agree with that. Um, so I think the fresher matchups, obviously Hamza, that's a lot of fun and it's exciting. But I, I I'm worried just in terms of consistency. Like if we get give that guy a belt, how's that gonna how's that gonna go? Like is he gonna defend it much? Is he gonna even be able to maintain? Uh, having it like how long are we gonna I don't know. There's a lot of questions to me with Hamza in terms of stability. So I would lean Strickland, but the way more fun and exciting fight is Hamza. So yeah. 
Yeah, I would say that, you know, if you're the UFC, you've already kind of made this promise to Hamzat via the Usman fight of Winner was going to get a shot. That's a good point. Obviously, People he was forget about that. Right. Yeah. He, he got the health issues, couldn't be in this position because we were talking about DDP not getting the shot because he mm-hmm. waited and Hamzat being able to jump him because of him beating Usman. So right. I think that you, you know, cash that in. Um, use a name like Hamzat because you guys have been pushing him for so long or if I'm the UFC I've been pushing him for so long I know he's this superstar people are around him this would be a perfect time because you could do if Strickland after or something or there's other storylines there but and kind of to play to your point with Hamza of not knowing the consistency, you kind of want to probably get a belt on him sooner than later before he fades out too, because you want to capitalize on his star. Yeah. So you guys both in favor, if you were, if you were in position of power, both in favor of doing Hamza, you would do Hamza over Strickland rematch next. Yes, yeah, I would. All right. Also worth mentioning, DDP is already eyeing a move up uh, for that double champ status. That's annoying. Uh, Well, you know what? I'll give it to them. He did say he he needs to earn that first. Like Mm -hmm. he's not. So I don't. I definitely don't think a move up is next by any means. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that does seem to be in his future. Um, Again, acknowledging he he did that. He does need. to, to earn that, and I'm thinking what he means by that is he needs to defend this title a couple times, let his star grow yes, a little bit. Real quick, what do you guys think constitutes earning a double champ shot? Ooh, I five. I, I mean, it's tough. Yeah, I would say three to five defenses. Mm. You know, I, it's tough too. You know, like I think there could be like perform. I mean, but I mean, look at Alex. Would anybody you know yeah. argue that we didn't? You know, that wasn't a good move by Alex to mm-hmm. move up. I mean, it's just I think there's different. It's just so hard that like. To, to pinpoint like a, a specific formula for that um you know i would say if you're just kind of your run of the mill okay decent like like let's say like leon right now like leon's not exactly killing it in the star power right now he's mm-hmm. super talented had a couple of really good performances um that guy you know leon probably would need like three or four mm-hmm. <laughs> or to five to kind of move up but then you got these guys like alex Pedeta that for whatever reason they're polarizing through their fighting style to fans, they connect, relate. Well, and to be fair, Alex didn't have the title. Yeah, he didn't. He's not bringing the belt up. Oh, you're meaning like as a uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that's that's tough, man. I mean, how, how, what Izzy did like four or five before he tried it, yeah. didn't he? And then Volk, yeah, obviously had a lot of title defenses before. Yeah, so I would say that, but it, it's I've never not, and let you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Off the top of my head. There's not been a situation that I can recall where a champion went up and I felt like, oh, that's too early. Or, like, they shouldn't be doing that already. Mm-hmm. Not that I can think of. Yeah, no. so I feel like it always just kind of works out in yeah. the end, regardless. I mean, it's cliche or whatever that might sound. It's like, it does kind of just always, like, work itself out in the end. Well, in the UFC, you're, you're going to have to, you want to protect your investments and your champions sure. or that. So you don't want to send, you know, if you feel like Islam has no chance against Leon, you might want to, like, hey, let's get a couple more in before you try something that will take some of the, you know, shine off of you. Absolutely. Boys, let's move to our co-main events. <laughs> Raquel Pennington defeats Myra Bueno Silva. Um, yeah, boy, sometimes you just come in and you're just not psyched to talk about a fight. Um, and this is one of them. This was rough, uh, really rough. Pro- possibly one of the worst title fights I can recall in recent memory. I mean, you guys can kind of correct me if I'm wrong there. You can kind of think of a, a worse one. But uh, 
the weird thing is I just don't know if either lady could have done anything better or different to have changed it either. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I just genuinely think stylistically this matchup kind of sucked and kind of just led to the fight that we got. Obviously, we talked about it last week. Both of these ladies like to fight in that clinch. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just tough because I just I don't want to take the moment away from from Raquel. Right. Because. What she did is still a huge accomplishment regardless of mm-hmm. how she got it done. She's a world champion. You can never take that away from her. Congratulations. Um, and outside of a good but outside of a good round one uh, for Silva, Raquel really dominated every aspect of this fight. Uh, but, you know, all we can kind of go off of is what we saw. And this yeah. was just a tough watch, boys. <laughs> yeah. The only, just real quick, that you asked about other boring or not good title fights. And the one that stood out to me was the, I think it was Rose and Wyken and Esparza. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Esparza. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was another so one. So this one to me, um, I, I, at least Raquel, like, when she let her hands go, man, they seemed to really connect. And there was a lot of good moments from yeah. her there. But she just wasn't consistent with it. Like, there was at least three or so times where she would let her hands go and she was really tagging her and then she would get her up against the vents and just initiate that clinch, which I understand she's comfortable there, but you're tagging her on the feet. Like, yeah. you have good power and you're you're really kind of wobbling her and she has no answer. So I was kind of perplexed with just continuing to go back to the well with that clinch because you were having some success there on the right. feet. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, overall, the fight itself, not the <laughs> most fun. Um, uh, but... And really, like, real quick, really sucked the life out of the arena. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> that Drikus, uh I mean, you could uh, you could almost hear a pin drop in between rounds. And even, in, like, when they announced Raquel, there was really no applause from the crowd. Uh, and, and, dude, I feel like it even kind of carried over into that main event a bit, if I'm being yeah. honest. I mean, just a really tough watch. Mm-hmm. You know what we didn't bring up on the main event is the crowd switching from Strickland to DDP. Yeah, that too. was fun. Yeah. That was kind of crazy. But, no, this one... That, that is MMA fans. Yeah. In a nutshell. As, <laughs> as two guys that collect cards, like yeah. five, MMA, UFC cards, me and John can't confirm. Yeah, the uh, market flip mid-fight. And that's how it is in real life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at one point we were watching this co-main event, the uh, uh, commentator said, this fight's taking place mostly on the cage, all fight. And Brendan's like, yeah, of course it is. Like, yeah. you could just <laughs> feel... Shocker. Yeah, it's like, a, you know... It just seemed like a rinse and repeat every round after the first round where it was yeah. Raquel's, you know, landing some big shots. Myra was using, trying to use that ninja choke, but it was never fully getting in. Yeah. Um, she was way too comfortable in a clinch where she was getting hit, trying to get the clinch, but never really utilizing it well. There were just wasn't a lot of adjustments by really either lady, but Pennington really didn't need to do it because, I mean, I think they have her as almost 300 strikes landed. Like yeah. she was just dribbling her from, you know, the second round on and, um, I, I didn't think she was going to have enough to even get close to finishing, but then she started landing and putting together a couple. But then, like Brandon said, she goes right back to holding, clinching against yeah. the cage. Um, probably could have got, you know, a really big finish had she maybe listened a little bit more on the backing off. But yeah. I think she even kind of said it in her post fights, like, let's play it safe and get a title. Let's do what we know will get us the win because that's not guaranteed with a judge's decision. And that's fair. Yeah. And that's well within her right to do it. Just, I just, but again, I do just think both of them stylistically, the fact that, you know, they do kind of rely on that clinch. It just, it just didn't lead to a fun fight. And no. because I genuinely feel like both ladies showed up at their best. Um, and we kind of talked about this, you know, when Amanda retired and that is, would we see the quality of this women's 130, five pound division kind of drop off without her um and we would at least uh you know for the foreseeable future we kind of you know maybe un unfairly 
uh, always would we always compare the new champion to Amanda, right? Because I think most of us would agree that Amanda probably still in her fighting prime. Like she's yeah. sitting there in the front row. There's nothing that well, I saw last night that made me think Amanda couldn't like come out of the front row and probably be <laughs> both of these ladies. Correct. You know? Yeah. Um, so, and, and then maybe, you know, uh, and again, like kind of getting back to that, we did kind of question, you know, would we always look at a newer champ as kind of lesson because they didn't beat Amanda for that, mm -hmm. you know, whoever got that vacant title, like it was always going to be a bit unfair anyways, because you're, it's hard not to think that. And then they literally put Amanda in the fr front <laughs> row. It's like, that didn't help at all. Mm -mm. Uh, but sitting here on a Monday after that title was, you know, defended or won, um, it's hard not to kind of feel that way, even for me as a fan, uh, because that felt like a level down from what we're used to seeing in a women's title fight, yeah. let alone, um, you know, again, coming from what I think most of us consider to be one of the greatest female fighters of all mm -hmm. time. So just a really tough spot to be in, but I don't know your guys' thoughts. Did you, you know, did you kind of feel like you were watching like a lesser watered down version? I think Chell said a lot of it. Uh, yeah. Most of us aren't going <laughs> to say it out loud, but he said a lot of it. I, you know, I, I think that you know, it just didn't, none, nothing about it had the feel of what we, you know, not even used to on title fights, let alone, yeah. um, you know, stuff with Amanda or the biggest, you know, weight class that women fight in. Like yeah. you think that, you know, if you look at everything else, as you go up, things are a little bit more exciting. There's more power, there's more mm -hmm. this. And, um, that just did not show up in this fight. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still feel that Juliana Pena is a really good fighter and I think she can do uh, a good amount for like, you know star power wise but you know both of these ladies fought really hard but i don't know that anybody's like you know as we talk about the card market i don't know if anybody's like hey you guys got some requel like i'm trying to get the rainbow together yeah i mean i completely agree with both you guys and it's when you think about that a lot of it's spent trying to understand like well I want to know why, right? Like, why isn't right. exactly that we don't have these same feelings um, regarding them in this fight? Like, and I don't, the, the one thing that stands out to me is just, and I know this, this isn't completely specific to Amanda, but just that power, right? Like, the, the ability to carry over um, with your punches and just, I, I just feel like, because they've got great jujitsu once they're mm -hmm. on the floor and the grappling seems to be there, um, not so much the wrestling, but, I, and it's just something I think with the power, because that's one thing with Amanda that she always carried that, um, really yeah. paid dividends for, for her fights and just the entertainment value itself. Well, and maybe it's a bit unfair, you know, because we, we talked about it last week, like, 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 like Mero was always going to, it's going to be tough because she's got so much, not only just less mixed martial arts experience than Raquel, but just less in terms of like, I mean, literally Raquel has faced every good mm -hmm. fighter, you know, one of the greatest women in the world. We talked about it last week. Um, but like, even just seeing like Myra, like just getting teed off, like just kind of like boop, boop, like kind of like touched up. And she's literally just like reaching like mummy style, trying to like mm -hmm. grab, like that's just not good mixed martial arts, mm -hmm. man. Like that's not high level, you know, um, I'll be honest with you, like you you see that stuff sometimes in the amateurs, even on like a local regional scene, but not even usually there. I mean, yeah. you know, what I mean, like it's just not good mixed martial arts. And I don't want to pick on Myra because she is, you know, that was a big spot for somebody that's only had what twelve or thirteen mm -hmm. professional, you know, mixed martial arts fights, and she's gotten herself there. But yeah, like it's just it, you see that, and it's like, man, that just feels like we're kind of sending women's MMA back in time mm -hmm. a little. But it almost just like I guess I don't want to take away from them again, but it's like it almost just shows you how great Amanda yeah. really was and maybe who's going to be next for Raquel and because we all know Juliana Pena should be next for the title shot obviously don't know where her like you know return is or, or how that's going to get scheduled out but uh she 
it's going to be interesting to see what she can kind of bring because I feel like now more than ever, uh, this division really needs a star to emerge, even if it's somebody that plays that heel role mm-hmm. so well like Raquel does, or uh, Juliana Pena does, uh, but they really need it bad. <laughs> well, and what'll be real telling is if, you know, later on this year, if Juliana Pena gets the belt, we start hearing, well, Amanda might want to come back and do one more to where they're yeah. trying to rumble of trying to kind of rebuild up the hype for that division because yeah. if Juliana Pena can't do it, they're going to have to find somebody, you know, young or maybe even outside the UFC to come in and really put a spark into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next fight, boys. Mobzar Iavoyev defeats Arnold Allen via unanimous decision 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards. Um, that's how I had it. Uh, another super close fight. Um, kind of was a theme for a lot of these fights. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a really close fight. Uh, you know, Mavzar had a great round two. Allen had a great round three. I think it really came down to how you saw round one, uh, which was super close. Very, very closely mm-hmm. contested round. Um, but the judges thought Mavzar did enough. He is now 18-0. and 0, um, And I think this featherweight division is definitely on notice. But your guys' thoughts on the fight and performance by Mavzar Iovloyev. Who is now, by the way, probably going to be ranked definitely in the top five mm-hmm. of the division. Yeah, so what really stood out with me with this performance was the striking. So, like, we knew the wrestling was there. We, yeah. were, we were kind of unsure as to how that was going to play out with, with Allen and his takedown uh-huh. defense. And, and he was able to get the takedowns, and they were there. But the striking, man, is really what stood yeah. out to me, especially was it the second round, right, where he was able yeah. to really tag Allen with the, and land some heavy power. And Straight just punches. Walk, which yeah. we, we don't see a lot even with Allen. Like, he's got a good chin. Like he doesn't yeah. get cracked like that often. We saw him that whole fight with Max. So, man, that was just really impressive overall. And then um, the takedowns in open space, I think you mentioned that as well. Like, they were just really beautiful. Yeah. I think first round, the one he landed – um, just completely put Allen on his face because he just wasn't yeah. fast enough to sprawl. <laughs> that um, kind of go behind one. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just a crazy amount of speed and technique to be able to do that. And um, I mean, it's it's fantastic for the division to see him kind of rising up. Hate it for Allen, man. My heart's, heart hurts for Allen. But yeah. um, I mean, it was a good fight. Like you said, it was close as well. I think Allen had a good third round. I'd be interested to see if this was five. If it was five rounds, if that would change things a little bit. Um, but. It was still three um, good performance by Will of it either way. So, yeah, I think um, Allen a little bit of a game plan thing. I think when he goes back and watches it, because in the third he and he had to do it because of you know probably where he felt or wanted to put a stamp on the fight, but he started just using using his combos, using his punches, and was getting to Mavzar, and he was throwing you know more than just his right hand or his left hand but in the first two rounds his this team was having him lead his lead hand down for him to make a block for the takedowns problem with that was he wasn't able to use his jab quickly and use his his hands and his foot speed like we like it, like we've seen him do at his best and i think that kind of really held back his striking opened up some things from Avzar, but i think that in the third he kind of got a little bit more success with that and that could also be getting a little bit tired going into the third cuz this was a really high paced fight i feel like um, and I think that Allen can learn some things from this, but I think that Mavzar definitely put himself on a platform for people because we know how good Arna, yeah. Arnold Allen is. You mentioned something there. Jacob asked me this morning uh, about the fight. He's like, "Do you is that Allen, Arnold Allen leaving his lead hand down, is that something new or something you guys have noticed him doing? I feel like I've seen him do that before mm-hmm. where he kind of leaves that like lead hand down a little bit. 
Yeah, I just don't feel like he. I've seen him do it in the in the point of like he's still throwing punches from that. I've seen him do it at distance, but when he gets into his punches, I, I feel like I haven't seen him have such a. Because like when you're coming from down there, you're not getting any of that speed on your jab, and like with with like the Max fight, I felt like he was in a more boxing. And obviously, it's a different fight. You're facing a wrestler, and you want to have some of those defenses. But it just seemed like one because in the third round, he wasn't doing it at all. He was just letting his hands go in in, in a, a regular stance. So I just felt like that was a little bit of the difference in the striking for Allen. And to me, it was more just the threat of the takedown. I think that was what really played dividends in in terms of Masvidal being able to really land on on Allen. Um, I, because I, I do think I've, we've seen him before with that lead hand kind of down like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, and, and I think, too, just real quick that, you know, even when he goes back to, like, you know, Masvidal isn't a ground and pound guy. He's a submission guy. And I think that Arnold Allen did really well in some of those um, exchanges as far as getting up or staying out of bad positions. So maybe he could have took a little bit more chances in the early rounds knowing that his, you know, his submission defense and some of his grappling stood up a little bit better. Yeah, I sent it to you guys this morning. I found it absolutely hilarious that Dana White called this the most boring fight on this card. I mean, first off, like, did you not watch that co-main? Um, but basically he said, like, oh, Mobzar is going to have to deal with the consequences of this from the fans. Like, dude, what world? Like, are you that out of, like, tune with your product that you just don't know this sport anymore? Because I thought this was personally... A fantastic fight. I mean, the grappling exchanges were mm-hmm. fun. I mean, when you know Allen's sitting there doing those like four Gramby rolls in a row, in a <laughs> row, and Mobzar's just floating and just fall. I mean, that's beautiful grappling from mm-hmm. both guys. Yeah, I mean, that's just really fun. Again, the striking was there. I don't know what fight he was watching. Yeah. Um, and maybe you're sitting here listening, like as somebody listening to this us talk about this, like, no, dude, this was a pouring fight. I I don't know. Maybe yeah. I just don't understand mixed martial arts anymore. But that was a really fun fight mm-hmm. um i know there was also you know people were uh taking some issue you guys included about the judge with the illegal knees and round or the referee oh, yeah. uh breaking the fight up uh from the illegal knees in round two um there was kind of an argument over those uh hands being weight bearing or not and for people that didn't see um because a lot of people were mad that mark goddard stepped in uh stopped the fight uh, Mark Ramondi reported that Ontario is still using the old rule set, mm. uh, which states if any other body part other than feet are touching the mat, the opponent is considered grounding, uh, weight bearing or not. Uh, so all things considered, kind of job well done there from Goddard to stop the fight. And at least he didn't take a point. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Which would have really been rough on Arnold Allen in what was already just such a close mm-hmm. fight. I mean, um, definitely would have lost him the fight there if he would have taken a point. And probably would have been well within his right there because there was, I mean, some of them were maybe you could, you know, argue. But the like last the last two, two yeah. were for sure illegal knees um, that also did noticeable damage to mobs are again mm-hmm. changing the open. fight yeah uh so probably could have there glad he didn't um still gave arnold allen a chance there but yeah i mean like we were kind of talking about it. it's like dude we're at a point now with these illegal knee things it's like you can argue like i know brandon loves to argue that it's a stupid rule that's fine but it's a rule mm-hmm. and it's like let's just stop trying to play the game of up down up down and and, and and at least until maybe every commission, like, I guess, again, if I was somebody, like, sending a fighter out there, like, let's just not even do it from there, man. It's just not worth, I mean, after Piotr Jan Aljo, I don't know how anybody even does it. Why? Magomed. Why? Magomed. Yeah, why? 
Like, yeah. I just don't get it. Just knees from, like, front headlock position. Yeah, like, it just, I mean, I get it's there. It'd be great if, you, I mean, as a guy on in that position, I'm sure it'd be great if you could just legally fire some knees. But trying to play that, like, oh, I'm well, lifting it, I'm lifting it, like, it just it, it just leads to this. And, and again, imagine if he would have lost a point. I mean, it wouldn't have mattered at that point unless see, he finished. I see what you're saying. One thing, I think it was Anik brought up, and I don't even know if this is a rule, but one thing he said is a fighter cannot intentionally ground himself. What do you think about that? I mean, again, you're playing, I think the whole rule itself is just so, like, per how if somebody sees it. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's however somebody interprets it, um, and it really comes down to how a referee, an individual, and every referee probably interprets that even differently. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I think it's just such a dangerous game to play. Because yeah. you don't know how ref to ref, how somebody's going to, well, uh, you know, view like, oh, you're trying to put yourself down there. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I just don't do it. Well, I think the thing with the knee, too, like in Arnold Allen's um, case specifically, is the round before he gets rocked, he probably feels like he really needs to get a finish. A knee's probably going to do it better than a hand will. So, you know, maybe you're looking at positions where you have a better chance of really hurting somebody, especially because he was having a tough time tracking down Mavzar. So some of it might be just... Yeah, um, but you have to be aware. In a big fight like this, you at this level of fighting, I feel like you have to be aware of that, though. Right. Like, There's just like, some bad habits out there in training. Yeah. I mean, you probably train to do this, try to play the game, because you know it is a big opportunity. Because if, if all those knees were legal, that fight probably gets finished. Oh yeah, for you know sure. what I'm saying. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, but just again, I just don't understand the risk reward there. To me, um, I just don't see it as being like beneficial, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Uh, I am very interested to see what they do with Mobzar next because there is another big featherweight bout taking place next month with Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. Obviously, I think it's all contingent on what happens with Volk and Taporia, right? Mm -hmm. Because we've talked about it. If Ilya wins, I do think. Volk will get an immediate rematch if he wants it. Like, maybe he commits to lightweight if he moves, like, if he loses the title. But if he wants to stick at featherweight, Volk will definitely get an immediate rematch. There's no doubt about it mm -hmm. if Taporia wins. So, if Ilya wins that, like, to me, the featherweight title is pretty much wrapped up for the year because it's going to be a rematch between those two. But if Volk were to retain... We have seen enough, or have we, excuse me, seen enough for you guys from Mobzar to be the next title challenger, or would you like to kind of see what happens, I guess, in Ortega, Yair, uh, in that fight? But we've already seen both of them lose to Volk, so my thing at this point, Volk's a guy that's always complaining about Max killing off his contenders. You got a contender here in Mobzar mm -hmm. who hasn't faced Max Holloway, um, and why not take the fresh matchup, I guess? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I th now, has he done enough to earn it? I think that's questionable, but I don't think there's anyone else there. Like, if you don't want to see the uh, year Ortega, which I don't, I don't necessarily need to see that again, Um, I, I think it has to be Mosvar. Like, I, assuming that, like you said, that he retains and he wants to kind of have another one, Um, I think, I think that's fine. Yeah, it becomes interesting because you just don't know what's going to happen, you know, with the with the title fight. Because if Ilya wins, you could also see Volk maybe saying, you know, I've had a really bad run here. I need to step away, or I could. He might even retire. He's done a lot. I don't um, know. Based off of coming from a guy that's like, seems like he really needs to fight. I don't right. know. Right. Well, I just feel like if, if you take off. if you take another bad knockout like that, you kind of need to push yourself into doing something. Um, I don't know. And then you know you never know too with like. 
obviously in that situation where if Ilya wins and if Volkanovski for whatever reason doesn't do the rematch or doesn't want it, you do also still have Max there at number one who hasn't fought Ilya. Yeah, but I mean we'll get to it in the news. Yeah, Max no, is, I think Max is on his way up. Yeah, and, and but you just never know how the UFC is going to play the up and down game for somebody like him. But I do think that Mavzar definitely put himself in a really good position, and I would like to see uh, Volk or Ilya. I think he's a really good matchup for both. I mean, again, like I just to me the only thing if because if you're not going to make Mavzar next. Like, let's assume, let's say Ilya beats Folk, right? I mean, the only other thing you could really do with Mobzar at that point is give him Josh Emmett, you right. know, who's on a nice little streak. But, like, is anybody really, like... Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I just I don't really see that as, to me... I mean, based off that last fight, though, you know, fighting a grappler and landing the big shot, like, the thinking that you're going to get that type of matchup, maybe you could get people involved in it. And if both of those guys want to keep fighting while they wait for things to shake out, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say no to it, but it isn't necessarily as... Um, it doesn't bring as much to me as, like, him getting a chance at somebody bigger like a title shot. Yeah. Next fight, boys. Neil Magny defeats... Mike Malott via third round TKO. What an upset. Neil Magny, boys. Comeback of the year already. Definitely, uh, yeah, definitely on the list for comeback of the year early. Uh, he was losing almost every minute of this fight until those last few minutes before the finish. Um, I think he was one of the bigger underdogs on this card, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, John, you said it last night, but last week we kind of just dismissed this fight altogether. Yeah. Uh, we thought this was kind of the UFC just trying to feed Mike Malad a name in Canada, like let him keep building. Uh, but Magny reminding all of us why he is still the most winningest welterweight in UFC history, extending that record to 22 um, and doing so, uh, and in doing so, hands Malat his first professional career. And how about Neil Magny, boys? Man, talk about weaponizing your cardio. You know, being able to push through because that's what you've seen from Mike Malat. Is he started eating a couple punches and then he just faded fast. It's that altitude training, yeah. Man. <laughs> when it really goes against this idea that, like, I think someone said it in one of the earlier fights, like jujitsu guys can even no matter how tired they are, they can still jujitsu yeah. their way out of. I was stuff. in the Myra fight. I said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. May, maybe not because, like, in yeah. this instance here, right, like Malat, like using jujitsu for a lot of that fight with a ton of ton of success and then he really reaches that point where the gas tank is just on zero and Magni able to get on top and just have yeah, his way and just there's really not a lot of movement or urgency at that point when he was in mount i felt like from a lot like just was just cooked i mean it just seemed like mm -hmm. it was what it was um but yeah fantastic comeback for for neil yeah and i think this fight is why we kind of need to weigh and even in the co-main event really weigh experience heavy when we're mm -hmm. making our picks because it does matter man it really does um and sure you know there's always going to be exceptions to that right like you know like your hamzats that can just go fight gilbert burns really fast and be a great again but that was a close fight right mm -hmm. uh but man you got to wonder though brandon kind of talked about it there from a lot if Malat doesn't try to hang on to those leg locks, what could have maybe went different? Now, granted, I know he was pretty tired at that point, maybe instinctually just kind of jujitsuing there. Um, but it kind of made me think, like, I think I've just kind of seen enough of leg locks in MMA. I mean, like, it just... If, if I was a fighter or coaching a fighter, I think under no circumstances would I ever advise them to go for <laughs> any type of a leg lock, man, because they have a very low success rate, um, and they're very risky when you can get punched. And especially, mm -hmm. like, again, talking about fight IQ, like, a guy like Neil Magny, who's so long, mm -hmm. like, to try to hold on, like, when he's standing over you and you're trying to get a, you know, an, a leg entry, like, you're just getting pounded on, man. Mm -hmm, right. um, but more often than not, when guys are trying to hang on to these leg locks, this is what happens 
happens. This is what we see. I mean, can either of you guys recall the last amazing leg lock? I mean, you know, Gary like Tonin. Like, like pull yes, uh, you know, he's got the knee bars, right? Like, you know, we do see knee bars at a little bit of a higher success, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, Gary Tonin, maybe like, but Ryan he also Hall, got, yeah, Gary, he, he had both sides of it. He got a really yeah, good one in the so before that, right. Ryan. Like, they both have been, I just, out. I just feel like, again, like, yeah, like, I just, if you're an MMA guy, like, why even, I wouldn't even like practice I, I don't know like, what was um the guy who did all the knee bars pool yes i just said that yeah. oh yeah Pouliez. yeah he's another one yeah yeah he that's what i said knee bars knee bars get hit you know you do see those but i mean when's the last time you saw somebody on mma hit a nasty heel hook or yeah. straight ankle it's always they go for them and then get pounded out like yeah. mm-hmm. i just don't understand the re- i mean maybe again you're tired it's instinctual i get it i'm not in there i've never done it and you just go to what you know maybe yeah. but i think the only difference would be like if you get someone who's just kind of like like a mala i don't know how good he is particularly at leg locks but then you take someone who's a bit more of a specialist like let's say a gary tonin or a ryan hall and you see a drastic difference in terms of the success rate like because we've seen a, a lot of success from from ryan hall and gary tonin um yes they've been finished with it but they've arguably finished with it more than they have been finished with it um but i think the difference there is there's there's a very much an art specifically to like in jiu-jitsu, hiding your feet if you're going for a leg lock. And then yeah. obviously in MMA, hiding your face if you're going for a right. leg lock. And there's certain positions that are going to really lend to that and others that aren't. And I think that you, you just have to be really into that that game to know those positions. Yeah. And, and it's still a risky one. but Yeah, and I think from a lot too, he also you know jumped that guillotine, gets slammed down, and that's kind of that also led to you know some of the downfall. But I think for the leg lock thing too is maybe you do only use it as like a Hail Mary toward the end. If you're because if you need a sub to win and some guy's standing over you, your only option really is to attack a leg. I feel like at that point though, like again, you can sweep, there's ways to get up from there, like, yeah, but just like rolling under a guy who's standing up and trying to attack is like, dude, that's just like, <laughs> yeah, and with the wingspan too, like you said, like yeah, long like, arms. yeah, it's just like never, I don't know. I that was just kind of my takeaway from that. I mean, a huge win for Neil Magny, who, like, mm-hmm. said to be counted out like that and really kind of felt like personally they were just kind of sending him out there to lose mm-hmm. um to get a win over an undefeated young prospect like that is well, he huge. got his leg chewed up again yeah and it looked like that's what was going to be another ian gary fight where he just kind of just takes damage because of the leg kicks but yeah and another like just a rough night for canadian mixed martial arts has already kind of been floundering and struggling a bit i mean all the way down to arnold allen who uh trains in canada right mm-hmm. uh you know, me and Jacob were kind of talking about that. He's like, you know, do you just think that maybe Arnold Allen just never reaches a title shot? And I'm like, you know, I don't know that because I do think Arnold Allen is talented and maybe he just ran into the best featherweight in the world in Mobzari Vloyev. And that, there's mm-hmm. a chance that happens and that we'll see that fight again for a title one day. But I was thinking like, you know, Faraz Sahabi has long been touted one of the greatest minds in mixed martial arts, and I do think he is, but you also can't deny that he has not produced a successful fighter in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Arnold Allen kind of being the closest there. Um, and I just like, it just in Can- Can- Canadian mixed martial arts altogether, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's just a very interesting thing yeah. there. I don't know. Not, not to get too political, but I do think that like part of what plays a role in that is, yeah. is like the COVID stuff. Yeah, like really, they have, they have a lot of a issues. Point. In I didn't terms think about like, that. Like the gyms and restrictions and Frost has been very vocal, like about a lot of this stuff and how it's affected training and all that. Yeah. Kind Cause of thing. Arnold so, Allen had to go back to the UK for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, so anyway, there, there's that. And for me, I just think Arnold, just on the Arnold Allen thing, I, I think that a lot of what he needs is just, I don't think it's anything drastic in terms of his like game planning necessarily. Like, I don't think he has to reinvent any part of himself. I think it's just like this small thing where, like you said, John is when he lets himself go, like in that third round, he has a lot of success. It's little things like doing that earlier and just con- yeah. trusting, Controlled trusting chaos, your abilities, man. not waiting until you're down yeah. to try to find a way to win. Cause I think it's there, man. I think he's got great jujitsu. I think he's got great wrestling. I think he's got great striking. He's just got to be. The confidence has to show it, and I, and I think that he's still capable of being a champion for sure. And I think sometimes with the Canada thing is you see regions pop up and they do really good, and then somebody else gets their turn. And, you know, when you had GSP and Rory yeah, and stuff dude, up there. I, I can't even think of another country that's had a fall off like that. I mean, I mean I'm sitting here racking my brain. I mean, I mean, even like Brazil, they've always usually had somebody in there mm-hmm. like – Obviously, the U.S. usually always has, you know, I don't know, man. That's just like, it is very interesting. And I I, I know but what you're saying about not wanting to get political, Brandon. It's not getting political. It's just that's what happened. That was the reality mm-hmm. of it. And I do wonder if maybe that whole COVID era just kind of threw Canadian mixed martial artists back a little bit because there was so many tight restrictions. Yeah. And, and a lot of them couldn't even get out of the country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, we've seen it with the UK and Leon, too, as well, yeah. like kind of stunting him. And then, so obviously, now he is where he's at. It's very interesting. Yeah, that'd be that's, that'd be very interesting to kind of see. Like, I'm sure you could go back before COVID and see maybe timelines. Yeah, how that's were. worked out. Next fight, boys, another Canadian that just had a rough night, but Chris Curtis defeats Mark Andre Barrio via split decision. Kind of a slow start to this fight, uh, but by the end, both guys basically just Rock fighting in a soccer, phone man. booth. Uh, we're getting off some nasty kind of dirty boxing and elbows in there. I think 30-27 was a bit harsh to the judges. Uh, that had Chris Curtis winning, both gave him 30-27. That's a bit harsh to me. I thought we were going to get a 29-28 either way, Mm -hmm. Uh, but good for Curtis. Uh, He gets to hold on to his ranking, and it was announced on the broadcast that Ikram Alaskarov has fallen off at UFC 297 next month. I don't know if Chris Curtis could turn it around that fast, but I think him versus Fluffy Hernandez would be a great mm-hmm. fight if Chris Curtis is able. Again, that, you know, that was a hard fight to get through. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, like it's at the, it's literally like in four weeks. So yeah. I don't know if he could turn around to fight, but you know, number fourteen versus number fifteen could make a little bit of sense there. And, and Chris Curtis versus Fluffy is a great fight. I'd yeah. love to see if he can. I think it'd mm-hmm. be a good one. Yeah, this one was fun, man. I, you know, at one point the crowd starts booing a little. I don't know bit. if it was fun. It got it got fun. I well, feel like no, I, at one point we were just like, this is like kind of dragging. Well, on. well, what it was is because neither guy, like both guys, were just eating everything they were throwing. They were getting hit with elbows, spinning back fists, big punches. But both of those guys just eat everything, and you think that maybe that's not. Oh, those aren't maybe powerful shots, but I think it's just the two type of guys they are that you know nobody was going to take a step back, and even to the last you know bell, there wasn't going to be anybody who took a step back. They were just cracking each other yeah i think it built because like i remember i think it was the first where you have chris curse like just turning around walking to the center of the, of the cage mm-hmm. and like kind of frustrated and, like there was a lack of urgency it seemed from both men and then it, it got better like you're saying where they started to tag each other up especially in the third but kind of was a little too little too late by the end of it in terms of the entertainment value i guess but I, I do think as well that maybe a bit of it was just stylistically how these guys matched up and mm-hmm. they do have great chins and so there wasn't any crazy drops or blood or, or wrestling or anything like that in there. But 
Uh, I don't know. I think they may have been a little bit of a victim of the night, too. Like, it seemed like that was a little bit of a theme for a lot of the fights, um, mm-hmm. and they were just in line of it. So, And the the men, the Canadian men struggled, but the Canadian women uh, showed up and showed out. Jillian Roberts knocking out Pollyanna Viviani um, in round two, and then the one I'm really wanting to talk about is Jasmine Jazz Divisius uh, defeating uh, Priscilla Cochueta, uh, by third round anaconda choke. Uh, this this was crazy. I told you guys when you got to the house. After two rounds, boys, Jasmine had outstruck Priscilla 228 to four. Jeez. That's a real stat. Yeah. <laughs> she literally landed 228 strikes to Priscilla's four. Uh, one judge did score that second round a 10-7 for Jasmine. Um, and the fight finished. The strikes landed 326 to 26. Uh, so Jazz Divisius only outlanded her by 300 strikes. Uh, but what a dominant win. Uh, she's definitely already on the list as well uh, for performance of the year because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's just one-sided, I think, as a professional mixed martial arts bout can get. Right. Uh, How many 10-7s do we see a year? Dude, I don't know if I've seen one in a long time yeah. honestly uh jimmy flick also could be you know the great little comeback there on uh malcolm gordon a little bit of a comeback there um trying to look through here brad katana man that was a rough loss right. i really felt good about brad katana in that garrett armfield fight um so yeah not a bad pay-per-view first of the year um Again, you know, some pretty rough fights in there to watch. Mm-hmm. Not always the funnest, but you do get those. And, um, uh, I mean, I don't know. This pay-per-view kind of, it was literally like the Sean Strickland fight away from being a fight night, you know, yeah. res- essentially <laughs> anyways. So, it is what it is. Uh, we paid for it. We're the suckers at the end of the day. Brandon, update us on our scores. Oh, okay. So, you and <laughs> yeah, you and John both came away with four points, and I jawned it. So, I, I came away with zero. So. Yeah, I wish I had the clip pulled up of Brandon last week. A negative three. I'm not worried about anything. Still not worried about yeah, it. Yeah, here we are heading into week three, and you're still negative. So, check this out. So, still not worried about it, but also... So just so for context, so currently the points, John, you got nine, Nate, you have six. I'm at negative two, which means I'm 11 points behind John right now. Yeah, it's getting tight. Technically speaking, I'm 11 points behind. Yeah. I don't want to hear anything from John other than a thank you for that eight ball. Because oh, that is no. the only reason. No, you you were doing it as a joke, and I was doubling down. You on, okay, cl- no, your you, joke is fine. No, boom, here's boom, the boom. thing. Here's the thing. You clearly needed it because no. that, that did <laughs> save did, you. Literally, Listen, it <laughs> literally did save you from a bad decision. Here's here's what I'll say though. I've never had negative points. You do. I do. And I think I'll, I'm I'm gonna put this out there. If you guys don't agree, that's okay. I think if you're the first person of the year to go over, it's not a John anymore. It's a Brandon now. <laughs> to go what? I've never. No, no, John. You no. literally went like over fifteen. And let's, that one. And let's talk about. Yeah, have, <laughs> I, I, you never have negative. When was the last time you were in first? Because this, the only reason you're in first right won. now is because he granted you three points to my negative. No. So you've got. Three I points. earned it because I answered it right. You've got yeah. three points in charity right now. Essentially, no. is what. That okay, is. but if I have eight points, I'm still ten points ahead of you. Mm, I have to do the math. You have negative two. I have what, eleven, right? Yeah, ten points. Yeah. So if I take away those three points that I was gifted. I still have 10 more points than you. I mean, bottom line, there's one guy in this room that's 100% pick rate right now, and that's me. I haven't missed. I'm four for four this year. Um, yeah, I mean, so there, there's that, I guess. What do you mean 100%? Didn't you pick Myra? I did. You're mm-hmm. right. 
Mm. Darn it. Dang it. Forgot. Forgot. Dude, I literally <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, dang, I don't have it pulled up. But dude, how crazy is it? I literally forgot about that fight already. I'm not even joking. We want to forget it too, let's be honest. Uh, that one, I, feel, I feel like that one doesn't even count. Yeah, uh, yeah fair enough. I did I did uh, get Myra wrong. Uh, but yeah, John, that John it will not leave until somebody misses out on 13 points. Goes 0 for 13. Brandon's 0 for 9. <laughs> Um, that, that is a rough one to miss out on. Yeah. But John, across like five fights, you went over 13. Like that just, that, that's, un- that's last that's year, man. Unbearable. We're not there no more. That's literally unbearable. It's a whole new season. Like I just, I, I that, that will never leave my mind. Like they're rent free in my head. Like, I just don't know how you did that. And still didn't end up in last. I mean, you was it tie. last year? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It was, uh, dude, embarrassingly enough, I think it was our first under, <laughs> the neon, or kickback, too. We, oh, yeah. Or something like that. So we're coming out hot, and yeah. John just. <laughs> it was the first time we picked for that many, too. Yeah. 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 It was just like not a good. I just, I literally don't. You literally have 50 50. Like it's, and somehow it's just like they just didn't fall to John. Mm. Uh, speaking of John, John does do one thing right every week, and that's the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on the news. Mm-mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a. All right, guys, we got a couple things kind of moving off in different directions. So we'll start with the UFC has continued to pour into UFC 300. Uh, We now know the answer to the biggest question mark for the event, which is we now know who Jim Miller will be fighting on UFC 300. And that will be Bobby Green uh, announced last Tuesday. Hold on, John. All the fights that got announced this week. It's a joke. It's Jim Miller, and you're 300. Le- and you're Come leading, on, man. You're leading with Bobby Green. I mean, look, love that Jim Miller's on the card. It definitely is worthy of the news. It's called sarcasm. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> I said, what's the biggest question mark for 300 is Jim uh, Miller. It's a John, fan joke, dude. Come John, on. John. Well, the big announcement is the return of the BMF title. As Justin Gaethje will be putting it on there the line go. against Max Holloway as he makes his return to lightweight. Some of us just try to bring some entertainment to the news, man. Man, I mean, you on. didn't even bring entertainment. This is why. This is why I play chess during the news portion. <laughs> you know what, Brandon? <laughs> but this is why he loses the news questions when we do the end of the year awards because he's not listening. John, John wants to bring entertainment. Uh, Jim Miller bringing going to go against Bobby Miller at UFC. No, well, you didn't, that even, was really, you didn't even listen to it. That was really entertaining. Tatiana Suarez is on, out of on, her chill. fight. Let's talk about the Max thing. That is big news. So Max Holloway moving up to face Justin Gaethje for the BMF title. Your guys' thoughts and feelings. Um, this is the first time the BMF fi- title has been defended, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's big in and of itself. Um, huge move up, I think, for Max Holloway. I think this is a good move. I personally hope this is a permanent move for Max mm-hmm. up to lightweight. I think it's massive. Um and man, we'll see. I am very, very interested by this matchup. I want to see. So the last time Max fought at fifty five was against Dustin Poirier, right? Yeah. I, I want to see Max really try to fill it out. Like I want to. Yeah. I remember that being a knock with his fight with Poirier was he was he just kind of seemed like it was getting a little shoved around. Granted, it's Dustin mm-hmm. Poirier, so and he I'm, was in the middle of his forty five title reign. Yeah. Like obviously didn't want to commit. Was it last minute? It was last minute. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to commit his body up, understandably, because yeah. he was always he was always gonna he was still the forty five pound champ. So he just kind of didn't do anything he just kind of mm-hmm. showed up right yeah. i think he was even a little bit under 55 if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. if i don't remember yeah just i don't think we're gonna get that max holloway yeah but really excited for the fight itself i think it's a fantastic matchup yeah there's no shot this is a boring fight no like, no way no yeah and i think this is um you know justin gaethje's best case scenario if he yeah. wants to fight before his I, I agree and uh, also you know we talked about it last week with the title fight for Zhang Wei Li. i think connor's best case like connor if they could have gotten that done would have been 
you know, yeah. probably the only just just kind of throwing that out there is I think that's probably still would have been a bigger right. fight if that was ever an option. Connor but, Dustin. Uh, yeah, for the BMF title. But yeah, like Max Holloway. Well, but even for the 55 picture, because we don't know if Connor wants to fight at, ever at 55 but again. See, like, so. uh, right. But like, even like, again, like, because I'm just still cannot rack my brain on this Aljo Calvin Cater fight. It's like, here you have like a prime example of a guy who's a former champion, one of the winningest champions of all time in a division, who lost the belt and is moving up and is actually throwing himself in the mix in a real title elimination like if max holloway beats justin gaethje he's probably number one contender yeah i mean i mean i know you still got saruki and some people are probably pounding like saruki and Oliveira. i get that um but dude like if saruki and beats charles Oliveira and the ufc's looking at islam versus max or islam versus saruki they're definitely going max holloway mm, yeah. spoiler alert it's a, di- it's <laughs> like, a different check my boy i mean yeah i just like i mean that that, that i just again i hate to go because i know maybe this title with or this fight with Aljo and Cater isn't necessarily either guy's fault but it's just like that's the best you can and then we're getting this this is how you do it yeah you know what I mean like <laughs> well um what I was gonna say is just like how we talked last week with the Wei Lee and Xiaonan fight not being announced as the co or co-main or main or co-main this one too didn't have a distinction of being the main event or co-main event uh on the label so there still could be some more things going on obviously i'm sure there is um you know at this point now it's technically two title fights already on there we've talked about them possibly trying to break the record who knows um where it goes from there uh tatiana suarez out of her fight against amanda lamosh at 298 (sighs) stepping in will be Mackenzie dern um uh Good opportunity for Mackenzie Dern, yeah. but also if she loses this, that's a that puts her on a, a yeah, very difficult road. It's it is an, it's a risky fight. Yeah, I don't know where. I mean, you'd hate to say that like somebody in Mackenzie Dern's spot, right? Like as young as she is, as new and fresh in the sport, that like she may never get back to a title if she loses this fight. But boy, I mean, that's gonna really. I mean, it's a risky fight. So good honor for taking it. Um, and maybe the fact that she is filling in, they would give a little bit of grace there. But uh, the other side of this, man, really sucks for Tatiana yeah. to work herself back. I saw, I think it's ESPN's doing a whole like documentary special that's coming out here in the next week or so about her comeback. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that, I mean, I don't know what the injury is that they say. No, I didn't see the uh, specific. So hopefully not anything too serious or long term because, I mean, she's she's on the verge of like one of the coolest, I think, um, returns ever possibly in mixed martial arts history. I mean, somebody that spent, what, three, four years on the mm-hmm. sidelines, comes back, hasn't looked like she's missed a beat, um, literally looks like she could go fight for a world title and, you know, to then now get re-injured. Um, obviously, if she would have beat Amanda Limoges, bang on, yeah. number one contender next time. Uh, so really sucks for Tantiana. I really, really hope it's not like a long-term thing. Yeah, a lot of potential there. Because if she ends up finding her way to a title, like winning a title, like I said, I think it's going to be one of the, the best comebacks stories in mix like in the history of the sport mm-hmm. that we've ever seen i mean i just cannot recall somebody coming back from that long of an injury or time off of the sport and just becoming champion in like three or four fights right. like that's crazy dude that's yeah. i mean look look at connor you know like that's I mean, just the closest you'll have is john jones with the layoff coming back fair, and getting yeah. the heavyweight title fair but enough, yeah. it's also a different story like you don't you won't ever His be wasn't like always yeah injury related and yeah that isn't what kind of springboard him above he was right. already up there um at ufc 297 last night there wasn't an Announcement: The first fighter added to the UFC Hall of Fame in 2024 will be none other than Frankie Edgar. Yeah, 
uh, big had a big montage for him. Obviously, uh, last time we seen him, it wasn't the um, best thing for a Frankie fan to see with his fight. But I'm glad he get the, you know they're giving these guys these moments. It'd be interesting, like you know, I think the thing that gets you know obviously Frankie what finished his career at 135 or something. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think that's always the thing about Frankie is like if the UFC had the smaller divisions, what how like but it's like when you look at WEC. That is interesting to think because, like, how would he have matched up with, like, a prime Uriah Faber in the WEC mm-hmm. or, like, some of these other guys? It would have been interesting. Um, I don't think necessarily would have just been a – Yeah, I just don't think it necessarily would have been a cakewalk for him necessarily. Um, him and Dom Cruz would have been crazy too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just – I feel like people just say that because he was so good, you know, what he did. If, and and that that's really why, what it is. Like, what he was – I say all that to say what he did accomplish – um, at 155, just unreal, dude. Mm-hmm. Because there's not one guy fighting at 135 pounds right now today that I think could come up and even compete with Islam Hashem. <laughs> right. But like, it's that, it's that. Yeah. That's how crazy what he did mm-hmm. was, man. Um, it just, I, like I said, I just don't know that we'll ever see anything like that again in the sport. I mean, imagine if Sean O'Malley came up and fought Islam. Yeah. I mean. I mean, just wouldn't yeah, there no. he'd nothing he'd have nothing for him. I well, and think. then you, the the guys he's beat. I mean, you beat BJ Penn. Was it three times mm-hmm. or four times? Yeah. and that's a a double champion. Somebody who also had went up and kind of. Well, I mean, even seeing like Volk do it, try it twice, mm-hmm. right? You know, and Volk's a guy who is possibly will be is the greatest featherweight of all time, mm-hmm. and he couldn't go up and compete at fifty five. I mean, he made a good fight of it that first one, especially. Uh, but you know, it just again, it just shows you, man, how tough frankie mm-hmm. edgar and, and again like you could say oh well it's so much harder today the divisions yeah fair enough but he did it at the best in his time and he fought the best mm-hmm. and yeah man shout out to frankie edgar. well and you know what's what's kind of interesting for me is like you know mma is still such a young sport and you know we got into it early at the stop so like we're starting to see all of our like you know when people talk about well you didn't watch michael jordan play you don't understand that he sure. did this you know some of these fighters like these younger fans have never seen frankie edgar unless they go back and watch but like watching him and gray maynard live was like some of the craziest <sighs> stuff i've ever you know experienced oh, in my yeah. life um the next thing I, I'm really excited to talk about is a UFC Hall of Famer Uriah Faber teaming with Sacramento State University to start a university-backed combat sports program. Um, it's going to be called the Combat U. Uh, it'll be overseen by the Sacramento State Athletic Department, and it's a collaboration between the school and Alpha Male uh, Faber's school, uh, team. Um, all the students will be eligible. There's a, a scholarship fund available. They'll be doing boxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai. Students in the program will have an opportunity to participate in competition on the school's campus promoted by Faber's A1 Combat, which will be on UFC Fight Pass. Oh. So a huge opportunity for these students that are trying to... So are they just going to face like other amateurs in the state, or is it like other colleges like because like right now it's only one college so i'm i'm guessing it's going to be matchups within the program because Uh, the next part of it is it's not supported by the ncaa yet so it's more like a club right yeah they're but they're basically trying to get the wheels rolling right but the athletic department is overseeing and helping fund it um i'll tell you what man i i we we kind of talked about this um i love it i think this is a great idea um and and not only that because this could really be you know we one thing we've actually talked about even on this podcast back you know years ago was uh, mixed martial arts being an olympic sport mm -hmm. and if you can find a way here to do it on an amateur level that's safe um obviously that can be done you know multiple times or whatever um that could really segue into this becoming a legitimate 
Olympic sport. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, because just like wrestling, right? Uh, wrestling is amateur wrestling. You know, when you're yeah. in the Olympics, you're an amateur wrestler considered. Um, so this could really get that like segue into that. So I think it's even more for the just like more than just like a college program. Maybe if the NCAA does get behind it right. and back it, I mean, how cool would that be, dude? To like mm. go watch your like to go watch like the Purdue MMA team would be like mm-hmm. so fun. And I was telling you like the cool thing about it is too is say you're going to college, you're, you know, you're the backup 125 pound wrestler or something mm-hmm. like you're just going in there and it's like, dude, this sucks. Now you have another option. Like you don't, if yeah. you want the, you know, you don't have to just stay as the backup wrestler on your college for all mm-hmm. these years or whatever and be the turd or the walk on or whatever. Like there's other options. I think it's cool, man. Well, yeah. And you, you add in the fact that their scholarship funding, um, I, from what I read, it's going to be like a season format. Uh, all the alpha male coaches are going to be the teachers for each discipline. So like, imagine how crazy the amateur world of MMA is going to change yeah. when you're not going from guys who decided to start coming to a gym. You're going from kids who have been basically working through it through high school and through college. Like there's yeah. a, a lot of opportunity there. Um, PFL announced the lineup for their champ versus champ card uh, where the PFL champions will be facing off against Bellator's champions in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it'll feature uh, Hinan Fajeda against Ryan Bader, Impa Kasinganai uh, going to middleweight to face Johnny Eblen. Um, Magomed Magomed Karimov uh, will face Jason Jackson. Jesus Pinedo will face Patricio Pitbull. Dude, even the undercard, you have Vadim Nimkov making his push into heavyweight. He'll be facing PFL heavyweight Bruno Capaloza. Uh, Tiago Santos and Yoel Romero, Clay Collard, AJ McKee, um, yeah. Clarissa Shields is on it. Like it's, it's unreal. It's I huge. mean, this is a man. This this potentially could end up being card of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I know three hundred is still in the making. You know, whatever two ninety nine is crazy, um, but dude, to have like this high level champion champions in almost every single fight, mm-hmm. uh, dude, it's crazy. I mean, some of those matchups like. Even the non-title ones, like like an AJ McKee versus Clay Collard, Clay Collard. like what? That's crazy, yeah. dude. Uh, the undercard is crazy. I'm very very excited for this mm-hmm. and to see these matchups. Um, who who is Jason Jackson again? Uh, he's facing uh, Impa. Yeah. No, 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 no. Jason no, no. Jackson's facing Magomed Magomed. Yeah, Karamov. that's crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously Magomed Karamov had a lot of success with his wrestling. Jason mm-hmm. Jackson might be the anti-wrestling guy. I yeah. mean, it's just going to be so, so fun. Who's Impa Kisanganai? He's going down to middleweight because yeah. Vadim was the light heavyweight yeah. champion. He's vacating. So he's going down to middleweight. Yeah. He, he's fought at middleweight before, I believe. Yeah, that's where he got knocked out by Buckley. But Johnny Eblen mm-hmm. is a Yeah, problem. Johnny Eblen. I mean, dude, just... Impa, Impa's had this this whole, you know, rise up. So, yeah. like, yeah. It's... I'm that, really when, when is that? Um... Believe it's in March. Oh, okay, so there's not a date yet. No, uh, there might have been a I date. I was is, just there is a date. I, I ended up. Get, I was got caught up getting all the names because there's just so many people on the card. Um, but before the PFL had announced that huge card, the UFC announced that their UFC Saudi Arabia card scheduled for March is being rescheduled to June. Uh, it will remain a fight night and will not have any championship fights on it. But the rumor for the postponement is that the Saudi Arabia higher ups weren't happy with the quality of the card. And to hear that, but then CPFL announced this means that, you know, you might get some competition on, you know, who they want to host for cards if you're not bringing your best. Because PFL just 
empty the you know the whole clip on this card. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll say to that is you can't do this every time. <laughs> like, yeah, you right. got this massive card yeah. now, but like this isn't going to be a, a super. Con- at least I wouldn't expect it to be. <laughs> the boxing card too that they mm-hmm. just did in Saudi Arabia. Like, excuse me, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you can't. It you can't come to Saudi Arabia, Arabia, and not bring the heat right now. That's for sure. Um, they did confirm it's there's going to be no title fights on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is very interesting in contrast to the PFL versus Bellator, where it's all champions, right? Um, geez, I have something like lodged in my throat. Got some water in there, man. No, it's empty. Oh. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's a stark contrast for that. I immediately thought, well, I wonder if they're going to do that Connor then. You know, because Connor obviously mm-hmm. spends a lot of time in Saudi Arabia. He was just at those boxing fights with the, the Sheik or whoever mm-hmm. and, and Cristiano Ronaldo. So I was like, ooh, I wonder if maybe. And then remember, Daniel was like, you know, we're going to meet up over there. Yeah. So I instantly started thinking, I wonder if that's their plan. But Dana confirmed last night. Not a pay-per-view. In his post-fight that um, Connor will not be on that Saudi Arabia card. And so then it's just like, well, if you're not doing champions, you're not doing Connor. I just don't really know star I mean, again, getting, getting back to what we talked about last week, like star power-wise, like who else you got? Well, you know how they book over there, too. So it's like. You know, you're, you got, if you're not doing champions, so there's no Islam, um, you're probably... You I think it'll be a lot of... I think that's what we're going to get. At. Won't, not Islam, but I think we'll get a lot of daggy Russian guys, Middle mm-hmm. Eastern fighters, probably some Australians, like maybe Ro- Robert Whitaker mm-hmm. type fight. Um, that's kind of what I think we'll see. Yeah. Um, again, for better or worse. But even those daggy guys, man, like outside of Islam, who's moving? Pirate, dude. That's about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could, do, you could do pirate, but I mean... You know, I don't know. Nobody's really moving the needle on that end. Well, either. if you know, you have like if Ekron would have been fighting, he would have been somebody you can. I'll tell you what, man. Here's what I will say: is there's been a lot of rumblings about Habib Nurmagomedov making his comeback. Uh, I think you talked about it last week in the news. Mm-hmm. Javier Mendez's coach saying um, he only trains with me if he wants to fight. Basically confirming he is leaning towards a comeback. It seems no date, no fight, nothing set yet. Um, but, man, I don't see Habib coming back and it not being for the welterweight title. Yeah, uh, I just don't. I agree. I don't see a world where Habib, Habib comes back to face, I don't know, I was about to say a name, and actually I could see him versus Colby Covington in Saudi Arabia would actually be pretty fun. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You might have to get the military out there that, for that. That, that would be a big fight. That would be fun. But, I, I, again, I don't know if that brings Habib. I don't know if it's a check that brings Habib out, like where it's like, hey, as long as he's making 30, 40 million, he'll fight whoever. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you're going to come back, if you're Habib, there's got to be a Well, title. they've said some yeah. of the numbers he's turned down, and I don't know if he's. I UFC, saw 40 million. Yeah. Did somebody say, well, did DC say 40 yeah, million? But in, then we talk about what they're doing in Saudi Arabia. They will throw him. They'll, oh, yeah. They'll probably give him a, an estate <laughs> yeah. there or like something. It's, dude, like, it's nothing. Yeah, um, no. So that that is almost what I wonder. If, you know, like, okay, they moved it back. Well, we know Habib's training again, and it seems like Habib's training to fight. Um, and the you know they already said he wouldn't be ready by mm-hmm. three hundred. Uh, so by moving this card back, in theory, are they just giving Habib a little more time? But do you think they would use him on a non pay per view? 
if the if you want it to be big, dude, you got to compete with this yeah. PFL Bellator. You got to compete with the boxing fights. Saudi Arabia has, for better or worse, they have set a precedence, right, for mm-hmm. these fights. Um, and if you're the UFC, you've got to stay on board with that man. I mean, yeah. it doesn't. You don't want to get locked out. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a big thing, but that that could become a really. I mean, it is the Middle East is becoming a very big market for them mm-hmm. um, as well. And I mean, the reach that they could have. I mean, obviously Africa is close there. That's another you know market that they want to get into. So I don't know, man. It would be very interesting if they would float him out there for free the return fight for what they're going to pay him probably not but i don't know it's just a theory i had like it is interesting habib seems to be getting ready wasn't going to be ready for 300 and then they announced they're moving back this Mm -hmm. saudi arabia card i don't know i don't think he comes back but i do think if he does come back it's only for a title and at a title that he hasn't fought for like a weight class and he hasn't competed yet. do you think there's a chance he fights Bilal if Bilal gets it no that's so that's what i'm saying too is like i don't even know if titles would be important to him Maybe he would just. Come. I do because what was his whole theme the entire time he fought was yeah. legacy, legacy, legacy. Dude, and comes back and fights GSP. What's is it, what's the knock on Habib? He's, he didn't fight for for a different weight class. He didn't rematch. I mean, no, that's why I do think if he comes back, a hundred percent, it is not going to be at one hundred fifty five pounds. Him and Connor at one seventy. Nah, I, I don't think he wants to rematch Connor. <laughs> I don't think that Connor wants. There's it. no way that excites Habib. Yeah, yeah, no. You got to think about well, like, what 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 would excite? Maybe the disrespect. I mean, Connor's kind of report back onto that really a little care. bit. I mean, I he, he did what he settled wanted it. to. Yeah, yeah, he settled it in the cage. I don't think it matters. Like you have to sit back and think like who right now, other than Leon Edwards because he holds a title, would get Habib off the couch. And if Bilal wins, I don't think Bilal, even though they're friends, would get Habib off the couch. Right. So it's like when you look through that seventy division. It's like, yeah, I just, I don't know. Unless they're going to start that 65 division. Well, Islam started saying a whole bunch of um, Islam or uh, Habib could beat Sean Trickland today and kind of some 85 talk. I don't know how big Habib's gotten, but. Interesting. Oh, he's, um, he's at least 220. I, uh, I do have the date for the PFL card. It's February 24th. Yeah, so right on. But that's all I got for the news. Alrighty, John, you are also Song of the Week, so take it away. So Song of the Week was originally going to be Hit Em High, the Monsters, Monstars theme song, but they don't have that version on Spotify, so I didn't want to run into that. So I'm switching to The Power by Snap, which you will remember as, I got the power. Okay. What do you think about that song, Brandon? I know that song. I actually kind of like it. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you like about that? I'm not just catchy. It's Good one of those. It's kind of like you and your Felice Navidad. And like you're always talking about that being a banger for it is, Christmas. It is a banger. I like it. I got the power. Bruce Almighty. Mm-hmm. Like good movie. Yeah. Bruce Almighty's a good movie. It's in that movie. <laughs> but Bruce Almighty's a good movie. Yeah, you don't like Bruce Almighty. Not a big Jim Carrey guy. I love Jim Carrey. Not a big Bruce Almighty guy. Bruce Almighty yeah. is the reason I always know how to spell beautiful. B E A beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, John, also hit us with your one for the people. Oh, one for the people. Uh, I'm just looking forward to the temperature going back up into the 30s and 40s this week for us. It's been Keep so going. cold getting How about to work. The 60s, 70s. <laughs> yeah, that's about all I got. Mm. Yeah, I got I got nothing for one for the people, guys. Nothing crazy nothing, in my life. Nothing. No, no crazy chess duels this week. I might retire after after this episode, man. Yeah, nice. yeah, good. No, no motivation. <laughs> Good. Or use this as your, you know, they they doubted me. They told me I shouldn't be doing this, but look mm-hmm. at me now. Yeah. I'm ranked. Uh, I mean, I one. would just love to compare screen time from this past week. Cause I bet you got me beat, buddy. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I think you. I think you. No, because here's the thing: is I use I don't use my phone to play like live games. It's just daily games, which is basically like one move. Like you make a move and then you wait however many days for the person to make it. I mean, who would have? Like who who would have? Yeah, but who would have thought out of the three of us, Brandon was the one that couldn't put the phone down for an hour and a half. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Mister Flip Phone, you know. 
I will well, still, I still if you, say, if majority, you can get chess on a flip phone, <laughs> mm, <laughs> I definitely <laughs> tried it with the flip. Um, you can get it, but it's not not with anybody else, yeah. so not as fun. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything either, man. Uh, nothing. I don't think you've had one for a minute. No, I just kind of outro it. Mm. Um, I did think we were going to have, I got off a week, so I said last week that we would be picking for Roman Dolice and Nazardini Mavov. I realized midweek as I'm getting ready, prepping for those rundowns, uh, that that fight is next week or mm-hmm. in two weeks. So how do we go from the picks? Uh, so we will be back obviously next week making those picks. Probably have to run like a game or something as mm-hmm. well to fill out the episode. So you can look forward to that. Uh, but other than that, as always, we will be back. We next, got the power next Monday. <laughs> Give us a "I got the power," Brandon, real quick. What, like he did it? Yeah, yeah. Give, no, like like the song. Do your best one. I got the power. I like yeah. it. Yeah, that's, that's how we end it right there. That's how you get on the board, my boy. Peace. Peace.